So we're starting the second parak, uh, chapter two in Pirkei Avot. Um, we um, are going to be doing a very dense Mishnah. We are definitely not going to be talking about all of it today. So we are hopefully going to cover a good portion of the first uh, statement. But first, we will read through the entire Mishnah. The Rabbi Omer refers to Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Rabbi Yehuda the Prince, the one who actually organized what we have today as the Mishnah. He wrote uh, the summary of the oral law, which is a good way to translate the Mishnah, uh, approximately, um, you know, about the year 3950 in the Jewish calendar, which is just after the Gregorian calendar started, uh, just around the time of the destruction of the Second Temple. So Rabbi, that Rabbi, Rabbi Huda the Prince, he's always called Rabbi. What is the straight path that a man should choose for himself? So loosely translated, that basically is asking, what is a general principle rule that is a guiding kind of a concept to know how to properly behave? Okay, there's a lot to analyze about the straight path, the fact that it is a path, instead of just saying, how should a person behave? How should a person act? He talks about a straight path that a person should choose. Also, the word yavar uh, comes from the word borer, which is to select or choose. But it's also seemingly related to the word barur, which means clear or clarified. So we'll talk about that. What's the straight path that a man should choose for himself? Kol shahi sif eres oseha, whatever is a glory in the Aristotle translation, they translate it as a credit, and whatever is kind of special, um, high level, right, they say that is a credit to the ones who do it, receive eres lo min ha'adam, and it's also a glory for him from man, meaning other people look at him favorably. If other people look at him favorably, that's considered tiferes lo min ha'adam, that there's a glory for him in the eyes of man. That's the first statement in the Mishnah. We're going to come back, hopefully, and do that today. Let's just finish the Mishnah. A person should be careful. The word Zahir means to be either warned or vigilant, careful. In a mitzvah that is kal, that is light, like one that is stringent, more severe. Because you do not know the giving of the reward, meaning you don't know the actual value in terms of, let's say, reward from Hashem uh, of each mitzvah. So therefore, be careful about all of them because you never know which one might be the winning lottery ticket, so to speak, which is an interesting concept. It doesn't just say uh, be careful because, you know, they're all really important, you know, or be careful because God wants you to do them all. It says, be careful because anyways, you can't really calculate the reward, implying that if you could calculate the reward, that would be a logical thing to do, which would then, of course, beg the question, so why doesn't God just give us big ticket items, right? Instead of giving us all the ones that don't have so much reward. So we have to come back and discuss that in detail, probably not this week. The heavy mechashev have said mitzvah keneged the heaven chashev means, and a person should calculate, the word choshev is to think, to count, to consider. So a person should really calculate the loss of a mitzvah, meaning in a sense the cost of a mitzvah, that's how they translate it, corresponding to its benefit, to its reward. Meaning 
it might cost you X amount of money. Let's use a good one that's coming up soon to make Pesach. Right? It might cost you a certain amount of money, but uh, you should also think about the big benefit that you have from observing Pesach. And the same in reverse, calculate the benefit, the payoff, so to speak, of a sin corresponding to that cost. Right? A person might get uh, a big uh, momentary jolt of uh, pleasure or whatever it is that he experiences by doing the wrong thing, but then you have to live with the aftermath. And again, I pointed this out in the past, the word aftermath is the calculation that you make after to see what was lost and what remains. That's why it's the math that comes after, right? So you really have to think about what the long-term result of doing that sin is. Okay, that's the second major, you know, part of this Mishnah. And here's the third. Look at three things. If you constantly look at three things, that's it seems to mean, in this case, a constancy, right? Not just like a one-time awareness, but be looking, so to speak, at three things. Have them front and center. And then you will not come to the hands of sin. So the hands of sin probably means to the general area of temptation of sin. It's a, it's a phrasing that we use in our davening in the morning uh, after the daily blessings that we say to God, please don't bring us to the hands of sin. The hands means seemingly to the general area, not necessarily to don't make us sin, but to a general big temptation area. What are the three things? Know that which is above you. What are the three things that are above you? Ayin ro'a, an eye that sees. The ozen shoma'as, and an ear that hears or listens. The and that all your deeds, besefer nichtavim, are recorded in a book. So it's um, a great visual. If a person would just imagine an angel standing next to them all day, listening, seeing, and recording every single thing a person does, uh, they would not come to the hands of sin because after all, everything has its consequences. Okay, so this is a very, as I said, packed and dense Mishnah. Can't discuss all of it. Let's go back to the beginning. So Rebbe says, what is the path that a person should choose for himself? Interesting that he says for himself. Also interesting that the answer is a twofold answer, not just that it's a credit to the person that does it, but it's actually a credit in the eyes of man. So that obviously needs explanation uh, in a simple uh, way to ask that question is like, should I really care about what other people think? Does that really matter? And it's very interesting that the Mishnah says, yes, that matters. So first, a little bit of uh, the commentary as we have it in the, in the, in the book that we use. So um, Rabbi, as we mentioned, refers to Rabbi Yehuda the prince, and he traveled to study under many great men. He was very prominent in his time, and he was unique in that he was a man of tremendous noble character and the acknowledged spiritual leader of the Jewish people. And he was also fabulously wealthy. So he was great in wisdom and great in wealth. Uh, my father always says what the, what the Talmud says about him is that from his table, there was never a food that was lacking. Nowadays, we don't have such an appreciation of that as much as it used to be back then, right? When travel and whatever local agriculture wasn't as replete uh, with choices as it is today. But back then, that was a sign of tremendous wealth. 
And he also had a unique relationship with the emperor of his time, Marcus Aurelius, and in Talmudic terminology, his name is Antoninus. So this is one example in the rabbis of a synergy or of a beneficial relationship of respect and learning between the descendants of Yaakov and the descendants of Esav. The Romans are considered to be the descendants of Esav. The Jews, as we know, come from Yaakov. And usually there's a sort of hot and cold relationship between the two, uh, but they had a great friendship. And the Talmud even says and records many conversations that they had. And sometimes um, um, and Rebbe would admit that Antoninus was correct in his assessment and his opinion, uh, meaning besting Rebbe in the argument. So that's also very interesting. Okay, now getting to his main uh, statement, what is the proper path that a person should choose? In the commentary here, they talk about the fact that the word yeshara, which means straight, does not mean or does not indicate the same thing as righteous, which would be, let's say, the word tzedek. And so they make the point that yashar, which is straight, means in the eyes of man, and it is a good and proper way to have interpersonal relationships. We're not per se talking about our relationship with Hashem, right? So the derech yeshara that we're talking about here, according to this opinion, is that we're talking about the proper way to deal with our fellow man. And that's interesting just on its own, but it's also interesting that our parsha is Parshas Mishpatim, which is mostly, not only, but it's mostly the laws of a man with his fellow. And there is a tremendous emphasis that the Torah puts on that aspect of our humanity. And Rabbi Yudha Anasi is saying that an assessment way of determining what the proper way is, is that it's a credit to the way that you treat the person and other people see it as a credit as well. So the question that we ask is, okay, why is it important the way other people see it? Well, the sad truth is that very often we are not good assessors of reality and we really need other people's input to kind of set us straight. And in general, when most people agree, and I'm saying most people, obviously there's gonna be exceptions to this rule and um, right now, let me just put out there that, you know, the vast majority of public opinions that we see in the news today, in my humble opinion, doesn't reflect the attitudes of most people. I'm not saying there isn't a large number, uh, but I think a lot of the craziness that we see in the world is because of the um, attention that extremism garners and doesn't really reflect uh, the vast majority of opinion. As a general rule, especially when people are sensible, which isn't always, what most people think is appropriate is appropriate and what most people think is inappropriate is inappropriate. Yes, we can have breakdowns of society and certainly we can have large numbers of a segment of society that can be off the deep end, but I do think that that's part of um, a good assessment for people is to understand what other people think about what they're doing. Very often a person is convinced that they're doing the right thing you have to be very careful to pay attention that you're not getting lost in a narcissistic point of view where you only see your own reality. A person really needs to take into account what it is that other people think, but I'm saying specifically what most people think. 
not what some people think, right? So in other words, if there's a general consensus of appropriate behavior, that's usually a good indicator. Again, not when you're dealing with a fundamentally corrupt or degenerate society. Now, another point that they raise over here is as per the Rambam, when the Rambam says that the concept of the Derech Yeshara is a path of moderation. Now, it's hard to understand what the Rambam means uh, in this context, but first let me explain what he means in general, because it's a famous teaching of Maimonides, and that is that a person should avoid extremes. A person shouldn't be either overly generous or overly stingy. A person should have a balance. Uh, same thing with uh, all character traits, whether it's uh, you know stinginess and generosity that we just mentioned, or it's uh, being drawn after pleasures or being completely ascetic, right? The Raman generally recommends the middle of the road. So what's difficult about that concept of the Rambam in general, I just want to share with you what I think he really means and then why it's the Derech Yeshara. We'll talk about that in a second, is like this. What's difficult is it's just not true that a person can always stay in the middle of the road, right? If we were driving and always stayed in the middle of the road, that would be a major problem. Sometimes we have to turn. Sometimes we have to go to this side. Sometimes we have to avoid a roadblock, right? So the middle sounds nice, but it's completely unrealistic, right? There's a time to be extremely generous and there's a time to not be so generous. That's also true. So what does it mean, the mean or the middle, which is what the, the commentary talks about here? In my humble opinion, what it means is a person should always have equal access to all possible choices and not be automatically swayed in one direction or another. So that means the middle of the road is the ability to choose anything because we are free to choose and we are not held hostage by any one particular point of view or attitude or moral. It's important to be generous, but it's important to not enable people that don't take self-responsibility. Okay, now we might have a temptation to not be generous and chalk many people up to being, oh, those people just don't take responsibility, right? A person could say that, or a person could be overly generous and not realize that they really are empowering people to not do anything with their life, right? So the idea is not to choose one path, but it's to have all possible options available because that's going to be the shortest way to achieve the purpose for which man was created. And that's really my answer to what does it mean, the straight road. The Derech Yeshara means the fastest, most efficient, appropriate way to get to achieve your goal in life for which Hashem created you. That's why we call it a way. In Parshas Vayera, the Torah itself says that Hashem chooses Avraham because Hashem is confident that Avraham will follow the way, the guard, I should say, the way of Hashem. The way of Hashem means the way to get to Hashem. Just like the path of the um, of the Garden of Eden is the way to get to the tree of, of life. That's the way to get to Hashem. So the straight path means where we don't veer from our purpose because of our personal biases, because of our personal attitudes. Like a Democrat is always a Democrat and a Republican is always a Republican. no. It depends on the issues, right? Okay, whatever reason a person labels doesn't really matter. We have to be able to assess all issues on their own 
basis and merits. And so that's what I'm suggesting is both the middle of the road, according to the Rambam. It means that a person has access, even access to everything. He's able to choose anything based on what's appropriate for the moment. And also, that's the straight way to get to Hashem. Now, we added to that at the beginning, that a way that a person can often tell if they're on the correct path or not, is if it's a glory for a person. And with this, I just want to answer meaning for himself. He considers it to be a credit, and other people also consider it to be a credit. So I just want to add that when the Mishnah says over here, the way that a man should choose for himself, we need to understand the following thing. If we choose correctly, we are doing ourselves the greatest service because we are acquiring dignity. We are acquiring significance in Hashem's eyes and in purpose in the world. We are useful. That's the path that a person should choose. And so therefore the, the, the Mishnah says, what is the straight path, i.e. to fulfill our mission in the world? that a person should choose for himself, I'm saying, to make it clear for himself always the road that he should go, something that he knows is developing him properly, that other people agree is the appropriate way to behave, and that he's not choosing because of his biases or temptations or preconceived notions. He's literally choosing the most proper way because that's the way to achieve the goal of the straight path. Okay, let's do questions or comments. Everybody's good? Yes, Ethan. Um, it seems like there would uh, there would inevitably be some sort of balance that needs to be um, achieved between being concerned what other people think, but but being careful as to who those people are, whose opinions you seek. Is there any commentary in here um, where, where it says, you know, fellow, you know, held in esteem of fellow men, who should those? Who should that community be? Who should that that group of people be that that you weigh their opinion? Yeah, so for sure that's a good question. Um, I don't see a comment on like who are those people. I'm I'm sort of saying that there's a, a very broad group, and that's one possibility. Probably there are other possibilities. Um, what they do talk about is that very often people are only concerned about quote unquote doing the right thing, but they're not concerned about doing it the right way. Right. So like a person can, uh, let's say they want to have a real big um, concentration moment uh, in making a, a bracha. And they might yell it and scream it out loud without regard to the way that that might be disturbing other people. Now, in theory, what they're doing is a mitzvah. Right. But are they giving the right impression? Are they interfering with anyone else while they are in the pursuit of this kind of amazing you know, Zen level that they're trying to achieve. And so they, they do talk about that. Um, and uh, they bring an example, which is a very interesting example, that after the two sons of Aharon died, he and Moshe were having a discussion about the proper way to go about finishing the services of the day, because it was the inauguration day of the tabernacle. And what Moshe, what Aharon asks Moshe is, aside from what's the right thing to do, is it good in the eyes of Hashem? So meaning there has to be a sensitivity to the way that things are affecting others, in that, in that case, uh, Hashem. But apparently that's an even more sensitive way of thinking 
and rather is it the right thing or is it the wrong thing? So they give that as as a as a additional commentary. But I think you're asking, okay, you know, who are the people that I can trust? And you know, that's a good question. Yes, Joseph. I ask probably the same question, but in reverse. How about if you know that you are doing the right way, you are convinced that it's the right way, but you look strange around the people around you. People around you look at you like, where are you coming from? Like, how how vocal or how uh, determined you should be on it and still keep some harmony in, in your environment? Yeah, very good question. Um, it's complex. My answer is always that, uh, first of all, we have to always do the right thing, meaning we can't do the wrong thing. Now, the example I gave in terms of the blessing is you can do the right thing by making a blessing uh, a little less loudly and a little less calling attention to oneself. But we can't say, look, if I make a blessing on the food, somebody's going to look at me as though I'm really weird and therefore I don't make a blessing on the food. So we can't do the wrong thing. Mm. Now, in general, what I advocate is for always trying to convey an attitude of respect for other people. And so where I draw the line is I'm giving someone else respect, but they're refusing to respect me. So then I can't care anymore. Right? I try to give them respect and they refuse to respect my way of being even though it's only for myself and i you know i just I don't, I don't have i don't have the obligation and i also think it's the wrong message because then what i'm just doing is capitulating to their wrong behavior one other area of complexity is and, and this you know happens really pretty frequently is let's say where a person brings up a philosophically uh, difficult issue one where they're advocating something that the, that is against the Torah. Right? So, for example, they're making the claim that uh, same-sex marriage is the right way to go, uh, even if it's just for certain people. Right? That, that clearly is against what the Torah says. So I think that in today's generation, it's not okay to not say, I have a different point of view. Now, that doesn't mean I'm trying to tell people how to live. I'm just talking about the philosophy of it. You know, I don't tell people how to live. That's not my job. But I do have a responsibility as a Jew, not just me, Akiva's wife. I think all of us, especially because we do study and people do look at us as people that are trying to know what the Torah says. I think we do have a responsibility to speak up and say that I don't... Um, I, I learn differently from the Torah. What the Torah tells me is something different. I really do. And I think that, uh, you know, as, as you know, I'm sure has been spoken about here and many times we come across, the silence of good people is really what allows societies to unfold. Un unravel is what I mean. Good point. Thank you, Rabbi. What's that? Thank you, Rabbi. Good point. Yeah, sure. Okay, my pleasure. Any, anyone else? Or we're good to move to the Dvartara for today. Okay, let's move to the Dvartara.